the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro. He's the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, as this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we start a new message in a new series called The Exodus. Today's message starts where the children of Israel were doing well in Egypt. Joseph did well for the Hebrews. Then one day the Egyptians no longer remembered Joseph. Now Pharaoh thinks it's time to break out the chains. So how are your chains doing? Do you have them? Want to be free? Well, Pastor Sean is going to encourage you to change the way you seek after God and see what happens to those chains. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, and I hope you do, there's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. The message today is called Rescued. Again, the series is called The Exodus. Sean starts off in Exodus chapter 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. As we prepare for Easter, you can't have Easter without Passover. They go together. You know, Jesus, when, he said, when the scripture tells us on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and they were celebrating. It was Passover meal he was celebrating. He was killed on that Passover weekend. And that was all looking back to the Exodus. You see, Jesus celebrated Passover in the New Testament, and Easter celebrates Jesus as the ultimate Passover lamb. That's what we celebrate. And these are just connected together. You can't separate Easter and Passover. And so we're going to look at some lessons from the book of Exodus. And it's not an exhaustive study by any means. We're just going to take a few key little highlights and see how there are all kinds of parallels. There's a reason the New Testament makes parallels between the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, being set free from Egypt and our being set free from the brokenness and sin and the world that we live in and the sin of our own hearts. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Now, our English word, the title of this book, Exodus, is taken from the Septuagint, the Greek uh, Old Testament, and the Greek noun, exodos, meaning a going out or a departure. And we understand that's what an exodus means, a leaving, a going out or a departure. And keep that in mind because that's a key concept. There is a moving from one kingdom to another kingdom, and that's really the underlying root theme of the exodus. We're getting to see a physical example of God's people actually walking this thing out and being freed. And we can look at it and see kind of some of the things God has for us as he wants to walk us to freedom. Now, I'm going to begin in chapter 1. You remember how the exodus starts. Well, actually, from back in the book of Genesis, Joseph is delivered into Egypt by his brothers as a slave. Well, you know the story. God had a plan that Joseph would rise up and literally rise through his unique gift of being able to interpret dreams. He would rise to become the prime minister of all of Egypt, and he would save Egypt from this incredible famine that was to come. Well, not only did he save Egypt, but he saved his own family. Because Jacob and all Joseph's brothers, about 70 people in total, their whole caravan comes at the invitation of Joseph and comes into Egypt, and Pharaoh gives them their welcome guests. The red carpet is rolled out for them, and he gives them the land of Goshen. And they're brought in to be saved along with all of Egypt 
from this famine. Okay, so the famine comes and the famine goes. We know that Jacob, actually, they, they just, even after the famine, they stay there. Jacob dies in Egypt and they take him back to their homeland of Canaan and they bury him there. Well, Joseph dies and says, when you leave, implying that there's supposed to be a leaving, when you leave, be sure and take my bones and bury me in Canaan with my father and with my family. But in Exodus 1, verse 6, we read, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly in Egypt, is what they're talking about. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now understand, Scripture tells us they were there for 430 years. Tradition says there were as many as 2 million people that went out. You're like, that seems ridiculous. Well, I don't know if there were really that many people But if you take 14 to 16 generations and you take 70 people and you multiply that out even towards a modest, and these these were large families, you even take a much more conservative approach, you could see this could be millions of people. So whether it was tens of thousands, hundred thousand, or a couple million people, it's a lot of people after 430 years. Now listen. Verse 8 tells us, now there arose a new king over Egypt. And we don't know how many years have passed. There arose a new king who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. So obviously there's a lot. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Verse 11, therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So we see they went from honored guests to multiplying, thriving people group within this nation to feared and ultimately oppressed slaves. And I just want to make note, because I, I just know some people, I, I hear people talk as though slavery did, never existed outside the United States of America. That's ridiculous. Really, I'm just like, get a book. Read a book, okay? This has been, you got to understand, wherever there have been people with power and people with less power that they could oppress, the sin nature in, in mankind has used that power to hurt and to wound and to take advantage of other people groups. And this is a part of world history. And the United States was guilty of that along with the nations that we came from and the nations that they came from and so on and so on and so on through world history because there is this sin in people's hearts that abuses those who we can get away with, and that's what happened here. Now, a question that I have as I look at this. Remember why they came up to Egypt. There was a famine, great famine. Joseph went and called for his father and their family. And so they came to be spared from the famine. But the famine ended. The famine ended. Jacob lives a long life, dies, 
and he's buried back in Canaan, but they still don't leave. Joseph dies, ultimately, and they still don't leave. Why didn't they leave Egypt? Why didn't they go back home? Why did they stay after the death and burial of their father? They knew Canaan was the homeland. They took him back there and buried him. You're like, well, but Joseph and his family were still there. Well, what about after the death of Joseph? See, what you find out is, as it turns, they had made Egypt their home. This place that was never intended to be their home became home to them. Even though they knew the promises to Father Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they knew that God had promised them Canaan, the land they came from, where they buried their father. They knew that was supposed to be their home, and yet they stayed. Now, why would you want to make Egypt your home? Well, first of all, it was the most most wealthy nation in their world. Maybe the most wealthy nation on the face of the earth at the time. But specifically in the region and in their world, it was far more wealthy. It was powerful. There was security. Not only was there plenty of wealth, there was security. When you were part of Egypt, there was a great military, there was a great power, and you weren't subject to the other kind of whims of bigger nations around you. You were secure. How about prestige? You were part of the top dog. You were, you were part of a great nation. Maybe just comfort and convenience. You realize this was at the time, or at least in this region at least, the most advanced system in the world. Everything was a little easier. Everything more convenient, more comfortable. There were a lot of reasons to stay, make your home, and get comfortable in Egypt. And there were really only two reasons not to. One of those reasons is, well, this isn't your home. God said your home would be Canaan. The other reason is that Egypt, which had all the best the world had to offer, would ultimately use those things to make you a slave. Maybe that's the most important reason. Either way, the story goes on, and we hear of Pharaoh beginning to kill the Hebrew boys because they were multiplying so quickly. And that's where the story of Moses comes in. You remember his mother, to save him, puts him in a little basket and pushes him out in the river where Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And he's raised in Egypt. Well, we know the story. One day, he's he's identifying with his people because he's not really Egyptian. He's not really Hebrew because he's raised in the house of Pharaoh. But yet, he ends up identifying with his people, killing an Egyptian in the process, and fleeing to Midian. Well, after that, listen to this. This is Exodus 2, 23 through 25. This kind of is a transition to the next part of the book of Exodus. It says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groanings. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. It's a powerful line, isn't it? God sees and he knows. Right after this in the book of Exodus is God's call to Moses. So the people don't know it yet, but God has provision. God is planning a rescue, and he's talking to Moses at a burning bush. And he tells his plan to Moses. We'll stop there for now. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Rescued. It's in the series called The Exodus, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message rescued. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. They think there's a lot of parallels to our own world. The fact is, the New Testament makes reference to slavery and makes reference to these people and how God wanted to set them free and how we, if we're not careful, can be enslaved and how God wants to set us free. See, the fact is, we live in a world that enslaves. Whether it's physically with chains and forced labor or whether it's in our heart, soul, our mind, and our emotions as the world gets its hooks in us. See, the nature of this world is to enslave, and the nature of our hearts is to be enslaved. It really is. We fix our hearts on things. So just like them, the nature of the world is to enslave, and it'll use the same things. Wealth. The world will say, you've got to have this. You've got to have this, otherwise you're not okay. Security. It's amazing how much we will give up for security, for a sense of security. I just don't want to have to worry about anything. I just want to be secure. So I'll compromise, 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 compromise. Prestige, I want to feel important. I want to be known. And comfort and convenience, the same things, same reasons they made their home in Egypt. Folks, we, if we're not careful, can make our home in Egypt. Within the scripture, the world system. That's what we're talking about. And we let our hearts be enslaved by all kinds of things. Work, money. Advertising is a great example. Man, a good advertisement grabbed me every time. And you know what's great? You go do a search online for something, somehow you, the, the different tech companies and the different apps you use are talking to one another. Because I do a search over here, and all of a sudden in this app over here, this ad pops up for what I was just looking for. It's like, the Lord must want me to. The Lord must want me to buy that. Look, honey, it's the Lord. I don't think it's the Lord. I'm just telling you. Advertising, entertainment, just trying to kind of escape for a while and forget sex peer pressure and what's funny is i put these two together peer pressure and media group thing what peer pressure really is you know what peer pressure is peer pressure is just um it's actually just people pleasing it's just a different phrase for people pleasing and there's this pressure and me, stop and think about the media group thing. One of the interesting things about, about technology in our modern age is how, how certain ideas are able to influence the whole world at the same time. It's crazy. You go to big cities, and whether it be in the United States, whether you go to, to Europe, you go to Western Europe, Eastern Europe, wherever you go, these large cities, there's, this, there's these kind of same sensibilities, these same values, these same ideas that kind of permeate to those places that are connected into technology. You go away from those big cities, 
First time I noticed this was in, when, when Lori and I won one of our trips to Ireland. And, and it was crazy because in Dublin, it was just like I was, we, were, we were in New York or we were in, when we were in Munich, it was the same thing. And the, kind of the same values, the same kind of vibe and things. They, different languages, similar kind of things. But you go out in the countryside and, and where people aren't quite as dialed in, and it's like, oh, very different. And through technology, we have this ability to create this mass media peer pressure or people-pleasing. Nobody wants to be outside of what the mainstream says. I don't want to be one of those, you know, people who are behind the times. I don't want to be one of those people who are backwards in our thinking. And so we all kind of come to this, succumb to this pressure. And man, you, got, you better give into the pressure because you don't want to be canceled or something because that's what happens when you don't. It's not that bad. I've been canceled before. I came back. <laughs> One of the things we talk a lot about is addiction. We talk about a lot of the things and the hang-ups and the things we struggle with as addiction. And we say, you know, once an addict, always an addict. And I just want to say to you, that idea is not necessarily biblical. I understand addictions, and I know that they are real. But this idea that you are forever labeled, that is not a biblical idea. No, no, the Bible talks about deliverance and being set free. It really does. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Now note that word. Such were some of you. But you were, you could also say to this group because they're believers, you were also, you were washed You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Such were some of you, not such are some of you. Isn't that interesting? An actual deliverance, an actual being set free. When those people left Egypt, as we're going to see as we look at some of these different things, they were slaves, they aren't anymore. Now they're free. And that's a very important distinction. And we need to grab onto that. We need to understand what God is trying to do in our hearts. See, we're meant to be free. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to experience. We are meant to be free. Galatians 5.1 tells us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, you've been set free in Christ. Don't go back. Don't become a slave again. To them, particularly, he's talking about like to legalism. But to us, he could say all kinds of things. Don't go back to that. Don't go trusting those old things. You've been set free. And listen, 1 Peter 2.16 gives us a key. And I want you to hear this. Live as free people, but do not your, use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Wait a minute, I thought the point was not to be a slave. Oh, there's something very different. What he's trying to tell us is this. Take, you're taking notes, write this down. God created us to be free, but freedom can only be found in service of the king. God created us to be free, but freedom can only be found in service of the king. See, it's not just what you remove yourself from, but what you give yourself to. Because there is something in our hearts, there's something in our nature that is going to give ourselves to something. And it can either, to the one who sets us free, whose purpose, who created us, who loves us, and whose desire is to give us abundant life, real life, freedom. Or we can give ourselves to things that will ensnare and ultimately enslave us. 
It's not just what you remove yourself from, but what you give yourself to. See, it's not just leaving Egypt. Remember, they were going somewhere. They were going, they were following the Lord to the land of promise. And in the same way, that's what he's calling us to. God created us to be free, but freedom can only be found in service of the king. Paul expounds on this. Peter is where we first saw that in 1 Peter 2, but in Romans chapter 6. Why don't you flip over there, because the rest of our message, we're going to kind of springboard from Romans chapter 6. Because Paul dials down in this idea of you're going to be a slave to something, and what you are a slave to makes all the difference in the world. He says, verse 15, What then, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So if you follow sin and you present yourself as a slave or obedient to sin, he says that's what you're a slave to. But if obedience, it leads to righteousness. But Verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, when you were slave to sin, you weren't worried about righteousness. You just did what you wanted. But what fruit were you getting at that time in those things which you're now... Uh, from, the things which, uh, uh, from the things of which you are now ashamed. That's the fruit. For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, being set apart for his purpose. And its end, eternal life. And then this verse that is so powerful, we quote it all the time. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have this option, and we talk about this. Sin always leads to the same place, always leads to death, and always leads to separation. No exceptions. It leads to death, ultimately, of our soul, our spirit, of our eternal destiny, ultimate death. But it also leads to separation, separates us from God, the Father, the most critical, dangerous, deadly separation, but also from people in our lives. Sin breaks relationships. Sin, sin wounds those around us. Separation and death are always the results of sin. But the gift of God God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In that passage, Paul makes three very important key points, and let me just real quickly go through those for you. First of all, we all present ourselves as slaves to something. I love the language he used. Because remember in verse 16? Do you know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey, either sin or sin? leads to death or obedience, which leads to righteousness. And then in verse 19, he says it twice. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I love that term because what it implies is this is a voluntary act of the will. Okay, that's where the analogy breaks down. We have not been conquered by someone to where, the, where we don't have a choice. As followers of Jesus Christ, he makes it possible for us to be set free. And what he's saying is if you present your body, your members, your faculties, 
your decisions, you present them to sin, you're going to get the fruit of sin. You present them to righteousness, to obedience, you're going to get the fruit of life. And, And the point is that phrase, though, it's like, this isn't just being done to you. You have a choice. You have been given the power of the Spirit to be set free. It's a voluntary act of the will. So the workaholic, it's not like anybody's making you. Oh, no, I got pressure, I got bills, I got responsibilities. No, no, no. You are making a choice to put more important things off to the side, to ignore and neglect the more important things, and you are choosing to center your life around work and what that does for you, what that gets you. I understand you may have needs. You, you, you may have financial pressures. I understand that. But there's something in this whole workaholic thing. For many of us, the income we get, the, the strokes we get to our ego, the hiding out from maybe issues at home. We make our lives all about the work. It's a choice. Workaholic, sexaholic, the person who is addicted to sexuality and the spirit inside of you is saying, no, no, you don't need to carry out your sexuality that way. You were were created for something different. But they just continue to present their bodies for something that their spirit and their heart knows isn't right. Approvalaholic, and we're just making up words up here now, right? But you know what I'm talking about. Approvalaholic is someone who just, I need the approval of people. I can't have anybody be critical of me. I can't have anyone not thinking I'm wonderful. And so I'm at the whim of whoever I'm talking to or whatever voice is the loudest in the room, and I'm just going to go along because I'm an approvalaholic. It's an addiction. No, it's a choice. I can choose to follow the voice of the Spirit. I can choose to walk in the Word of God. I've been given the Spirit of God. That is Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called The Exodus, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotoma Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.